After my second year of seminary education, during the summer, I decided to work at a church camp. Camp Beisler is located in northern New Jersey, and it was um, a Lutheran camp. It was a great experience. I wanted to learn a little bit of something about working in ministry with children and youth. Um, I learned that there and also a fair bit about myself as well in the process. It was a great summer. But if you've ever worked at the church camp, you know it's hard work. Lots goes on. There isn't much downtime at a church camp. And as counselors at Beisler, we were with the kids pretty much the whole week. At the end of the week, um, we had to wait with them until their mom and dad came to pick them up. And then, then we got off from Saturday to Sunday back at noon. And you had to be back at noon because then you had to do the whole thing over again. Well, one week, it was a particularly hard week. There was just, I don't remember, but it was, we were really tired. I remember going home that weekend tired. And when I got back on Sunday, I remember saying, okay, let's get back in there. Let's, let's just do our best. And I got back to my cabin. And there, there in my cabin, my stuff was gone. My stuff. Now, I didn't have a lot. Well, I had a lot of stuff. I always carry a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff in that tiny little bunk bed, in that tiny little room, in that cabin, and it was all gone. I found out then that it was moved to another cabin, and all my stuff was just taken and thrown on the bunk in the new cabin. Oh, my, was I mad. I was so angry. How dare, how dare they move my stuff like that? How dare they just do that without letting me know that I was going to be in a different cabin? How dare they? So I was so angry. I went to the assistant director and just said, what went on? And to make matters worse, he just blew it off. Get over it. You're in a new cabin. Let's go. I was so disrespected, I was not a happy camper. Now, I don't know if you worked at a camp or not, or if you've ever had, but you probably have had an experience where you felt so disrespected by others. Maybe someone messed with your stuff. Maybe someone said something. Maybe someone ignored you or walked the other way in the supermarket. But that experience of being disrespected, it's not a good feeling. It's a relational feeling. And it hurts us most when it happens in the context of the people we know and we love and we work with and we interact with day to day. Well, this morning's gospel is about honor and respect and disrespect and shame. In the parable that Jesus tells to the religious leaders, remember this is a series of parables, of teachings that Jesus has been talking to the religious leaders. This is about the fourth week that we've been dealing with the same group. They were the good and holy people. 
They were the ones who taught what it meant to be connected to God, what it mean, meant to live out faith in, in life. This group, this group that Jesus was speaking to, he shared this parable because they, even though they tried to do their best, they were dishonoring God because they were in opposition to the kingdom of God that Jesus brought in his healing and his teaching, in his sitting down at table with tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus tells this parable to invite them into ways of honoring and respecting God. But the story, of course, is about a king who invites people to their banquet to honor the people, inviting them to the wedding party of his son. And the guests who should have been honored and should have shown up instead have other things on their mind. They disrespect the king. And so the king tries yet again, sending others out, telling them what's on the menu. You're really going to want to taste the oxen. It's really good, I hear. And, and everything has been prepared. You really should be there. And instead, they disrespect Disrespect the king. Everything from just blowing off the king to killing the messenger. And so the king is so enraged, the only thing he can do to establish his own honor, reestablish his honor, is send in the army. But the king has a party and wants people to be there. And so he honors the people of that village. He honors the people in the kingdom. When he sends the servants out again and says, Come, come, everyone, good, bad, doesn't matter. Come, come to this feast. He honors them with an invitation. And they come. And they come. But then at the end of the story, of course, you have this strange interchange with this guest who comes who doesn't have the proper robe on. Now, it seems really strange here. If the king really wanted people, why is he tossing people out into outer darkness here with not wearing the right clothes? Well, some scholars say at this point that what's going on is a custom of the time. And when you went to a wedding banquet, you were given at the door the clothes to wear. You were given a robe. And so everyone had the robe. Except, of course, this fellow who didn't. Now, the question is, did he dishonor the king intentionally by saying, I'm not wearing that? Or... Is he just so caught up in his own whatever that he walks right through the door, doesn't even pay attention to the robes? But it really doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, he dishonors the king. And the king throws him out. This parable is told in order to encourage the hearers, those first century religious leaders and by extension us today who gather in this space God's holy people of this day 
It's told in order to encourage us to honor God. Honor God. Honor God in what we say, in what we do. Respond to the invitation to be a part of the feast. To share our praise and our prayers in thanks to God for all that God has given us. We honor God when we trust in God above all things. When we believe in God. When we try and take our lives and place them in God's hands. But that's what the Pharisees thought as well. The addition of Jesus' teaching, the addition of the kingdom of God that Jesus announces is that there's an end. There's a conjunction that enters in at this point. Honor God by worshiping God, by praying God, by coming and being a part of a community that thanks God and, and honor our neighbor. Love the neighbor. We honor God when we honor our neighbors. When we, like Martin Luther would say, when we are a Christ to our neighbor. Beginning of this gospel of Matthew, Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount, it goes through a whole list of behaviors that talk about honoring the neighbor. Being compassionate and merciful, a peacemaker. Sharing that love and that grace of God, not only with our friends and family, but also with those outside. Loving even our neighbor, our enemy. Loving even the one who does us harm. You see, loving the neighbor, honoring God through our actions, is so critically important. It's part of being a part of God's family. This week I heard a wonderful expression that was shared. Um, someone was telling me that uh, a mother would tell her kids just before they would go out on a date. Instead of giving them a big list of all the to-dos and not to-dos and things to watch out for when they went on a date, the mother would simply just say, honor your family. Honor your family. What if, as we leave these doors today, we thought of that? Honor your family. Honor the family into which you were baptized. Honor the family of Christ, whose grace and love is your gift. Honor your family... By being the Christ to others. By sharing that grace, that love, that mercy. Honor your family by living lives that are holy and acceptable to God. It's a wonderful invitation. It's ours invitation. It's our calling. And by the grace of God, we don't do it alone. God goes with us. And so, together... Let us be about honoring. Amen.